we are a band of brothers, diverse yet unified, aligned to pursue the truth, resolute in our commitment. We are stronger together, and you are one of us. This is the Brotherhood Podcast. Brothers, welcome to the podcast. Today we get to sit back, reflect, and uh, soak in a little bit of our message from Lance Ling from our May breakfast. Uh, I'm Evan Uitaki. I'm your host, and I have with me, as always, for the breakdown, Matt Schrader. Matt, how are you? Say hello to everybody. Hello, hello. Thank you so much, Evan, for inviting me once again onto the podcast. This is Man, I'm excited. Of course, Lance Lang, uh, stoked to talk about all that he talked about. And you had mentioned earlier that it took a few listens just to sink it all in. And I thought so as well. Like that was such a powerful message and I'm excited to get into it with you. Yeah. So uh, full confession, I was not at the Brotherhood Breakfast. Ah, so, come on. Yes. So this one, <laughs> this one is, uh, this one's a little different. So I'll be leaning on you a little heavier uh, this time in terms of the actual event, but we did record the podcast. You can go and listen to it uh, and kind of see what we're talking about, which we encourage you to do on any of these podcasts. If you're just listening to the recaps, uh, I believe you're going to get hopefully a lot out of that. Uh, but we are pulling very heavily from the actual keynotes or breakfast presentations or whatever you want to call it from the breakfast. Uh, and this one's uh, pretty unique in the sense that we had Lance on the podcast back in February uh, talking a little bit about Hope is Alive and kind of exploring a bit of a free form version of the podcast where we kind of uh, dig a little bit deeper beyond the breakfast, beyond the breakdowns of or the breakouts or the, the recaps, if you will, of the, the Brotherhood. Uh, breakfast to kind of continue to share brotherhood stories. I think, you know, brotherhood stories are a lot about redemption. I, th I think sometimes uh, it's, it's the struggle, it's the real life version of who we are and kind of exploring that. And you add God into those situations and then you see the result. And I think that's where a lot of these brotherhood stories come from. So it was great to uh, hear from Lance again, but uh, Matt, I want to hear from you first. What were your overall impressions since you were actually at the breakfast, especially coming from a post summit experience? Uh, you know, there was a lot of momentum from summit uh, and then obviously leading into the breakfast. So what were your thoughts? Yeah, and uh, to defend you just a bit, I do believe you had an important weekend that you were celebrating. <laughs> and uh, yeah, all... uh, kid turned thirteen, so I'm mm -hmm. I'm officially old. Big deal, big deal, dadding it up there. So in the brotherhood, we always uh, we always going to commit to being a dad first. So, oh man, Lance Lang. So I was impressed that that early in the morning he had as a much electricity as he did you can't quite gather it from the podcast but rolling in immediately the energy in the room is up he's talking you would not have known it was 7 30 7 o'clock in the morning and he brought a very simple message that had several different layers on it and then of course coming off a of summit we had a great breakfast huge breakfast you know which is exciting because you, you to depend on how you see events the Breakfast got a little lost in the production and the promotion of the summit. So we rolled into Monday right after the summit. It's like, oh, no, we should probably sell some tickets. We're shooting emails, posting things. And still people responded, people responded, people responded. Uh, lots of new people. You know, the new guest experience tables I run were full. So I, I'm thinking that's coming off the summit for sure. Uh, but then it's a full house. Very exciting. And then, of course, Lance, great message. And like I said, electric he was excited pumped up and and probably the best part about about it it was an appropriate level of high energy for the morning like it wasn't like <laughs> you know like dialed up 100 but maybe about 85 and it was man it lifted our spirits big time well to be fair uh i did get a chance to talk to lance before the breakfast and i let him know because i know he's a high energy guy it's going to be a little tough to kind of pull that kind of energy at you know seven in the morning, but uh, he brought some hope is alive guys with him, which always helps when you have your crew there to support you, a brotherhood, if you will. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, 
uh, I just want to give a shout out to all speakers because anytime you are going to stand up in front of 300 plus guys at seven in the morning Mm -hmm. and try to communicate at all, that's challenging enough in itself because we're a tough crowd. I I don't know if, uh, if you've noticed, but it's, it's not, uh, it's not the most talk backy crowd. It's, it's a, a very quiet, like, I think we're still sipping on our coffee type of group. So to come in there with energy, uh, to come in there and, you know, ready to share a message that later on is going to get broken down by two schmoes like us, uh, you know, to, 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 to go through that and, and, and kind of, you know, read a little deeper into what you're talking about something you did at, you know, six forty-five, seven in the morning, that, that takes a lot of guts. So kudos to all of the guys that have come and spoke at, at breakfast in the past. Yeah, absolutely. Matt, shout out to those guys. One of the things I want to talk a little bit about before we get too far into this, obviously uh, Lance is the founder of uh, hope is alive. He kind of weaves his, uh, his redemption story throughout this entire presentation. But one of the things that I wanted to pull and, and get your thoughts on is some of the parallels between wits message on Saturday, Friday night at Summit and this breakfast. They both pull uh, from uh, a foundation in Scripture. Uh, I believe it was Whit pulled from Acts 3 and 4, where Peter and John are going to the temple to, to pray, and they hear uh, they heal a man who uh, is, is, is they can't walk. He's, uh, he's uh, crippled. Uh, and then Lance talks about a, a Scripture that we've talked about in the past, which is Luke 5, 7, 17 through 26, where Jesus is in a building and he's healing people and people can't, these, these guys, this brotherhood of guys is taking their friend who can't walk. Uh, they bust open the roof and they lower him down, uh, to have Jesus heal them. Uh, I couldn't help but see some parallels in this, this, these two stories. And it was really, uh, interesting for me going into a post summit breakfast, for us, uh, for both of our kind of topics to being about with, uh, having relationships with God uh, and surrounding ourselves with God and, and seeing the impact that God makes in our lives, that both of these stories came uh, in very close proximity to each other. And I know you've stated in the past when you start to hear something over and over mm-hmm. again, there's a little bit of a nudge there that you need to tune into. Did you kind of pick up on that too, or is that just me? Yeah, absolutely. So. Lance said something that I'll probably quote again when we get there, but I'm going to quote it now because it ties into what Pastor Witt's message was. He said he's talking about Jesus forgiving the man's sins and then healing his legs. And he says, Mm -hmm. Lance said he healed the heart before he healed the affliction. And at that moment, I thought of Pastor Witt's message about spending time with Jesus. You know, Peter and John were recognized as men who have been with Jesus. And that you know, wit goes into that message and ties into, if you want to be free from insert it, whatever it is, whatever coping mechanism, addiction, whatever it is, if you want to be free from that, you've got to spend time with Jesus. And it's that time with Christ that heals your heart. It yes, forgives your sins immediately, but it starts to speak to the different areas in our soul that are reaching out for these other things, these afflictions that we either pull upon ourselves or that we have at just a mainstay in our life. So I thought, wow, that is my connection right there. And you're right. When you hear it a couple of times, you need to start listening because the Holy Spirit is trying to tell you. And I thought, okay, he's trying to tell me, he's trying to tell us collectively as the brotherhood that the answer to the challenges we're facing is time with Jesus. Mm. I think that if I'm being fully transparent, which I try to be, uh, that seems a lot of times to be the most difficult thing. Like if you, uh, have kind of listened to some of, uh, pastor George's podcast that, uh, I'm going to call it a YouTube channel cause he's not on podcast platforms, but yeah. we'll call it a podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but his, his, uh, YouTube channel where he's, he's doing these devotions and he's talking about all these different things and just digging deeply into scripture and and really kind of gleaning so much information from it. And for me, I, I enjoy listening to podcasts. I enjoy going to church and hearing sermons and and kind of absorbing it that way. But that next step feels like the the most difficult step, which is that quiet time, that that just digging into the word and spending time with Christ and just kind of, you know, posturing yourself. I I'm, I feel like that 
that wording is is played out but it's the correct wording is posturing yourselves with open palms and and just you know being ready to receive for me that's i i just my mind goes so many different places and i have so many different things that i want to do and it's it's that sacrifice of my time to do that and it's it's so difficult for me to do uh but so needed it's a timely message right now cuz i don't know about you but i def i think i definitely need to hear it and i think that you know guys especially as leaders going through the time that we're we're going through right now it's just really important to be plugged in to spend time with god so much so that it permeates our lives and overflows to other people around us that is you just said what my aim goal i don't know how to make it stronger um i have i can say the last two years so i started just an exercise really to deal with some challenges in my life monday afternoons thursday afternoons and saturday mornings i would spend time in the presence of god and i saw so much impact in my life and i'm still trying to stay faithful to it today um the Thursdays are always hard and Saturday mornings are always rough. But when I do it, there's a significant difference in my life and how I respond, who I am, what I do. And my, since that pastor Whip message, since that, and really, I don't know if you, if depending on who's listening to this podcast, he gave that message three times. He gave it at the summit. He gave it at church and he gave it a 180. So it got all over the place. I only heard it of course at church and the summit, but I heard it twice and I was like, that's who I want to be. Like I want to be, I want people to recognize me as man, that guy's been with Jesus. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how to define it. I'm doing my best to try not to define it and like fit it in my head because that's not, that's not how you do it. I know that it has to be something that rolls out of you because you spent time in the presence of God. What I came to learn over the last couple of years is my soul needs nourishment and that nourishment comes from being in the presence of Jesus on a regular basis. And when I do that, my life is different. I mean, it's, I'm convinced. So yes, I would say God's calling all of us in this. And I don't know if it's, I wonder about these things. Like, are they constant calls? Cause those scriptures have been in the Bible for years. It's not like God just wrote them, you know, it's so, is it, or is God doing something specific where he's like, listen, this group of people, this community of men, will benefit greatly if they will spend time with, like we say, Church of the Move, the real Jesus. Like, is it that? Is it all men? I don't know, but I know it shows up so often around us, so much more than like, give and it shall be given, or so much more than, you know, the prodigal son, or those kind of principles that are in Scripture, in the Word of God. It's like day in and day out, we're getting the idea of, presence. Spend your time in the presence of Jesus and you will see change in your life. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, I would, I would challenge that by saying, I think God's big enough for it to be both. So I think that's good, in, man. Yeah. In, in this, in, in, and sometimes we, we limit maybe our, our linear view of God mm, or, or yeah, what good. it can be. I think that, you know, the Bible is capable of being a universal thing for all times. But I think, especially for now, I think this, some of this stuff is rising to the surface for us. And I think it's something that we can, uh, we can take away, especially in this phase of life. Um, for for me, the interesting thing was as I was reading this, because you know Lance brought it up in his message, Wit brought it up in his message, and I was looking at the parallels of the two stories. And I don't normally do this because I don't have the I don't have like that that other example readily available. But in this instance, I did, and so I was trying to con- compare and contrast the two situations. And uh, there was a couple things that I got, and then we'll we'll jump into uh, Lance's thing because I think there's a lot of good meat there too, which this ties in a little bit to Lance's. I think the first one was uh, so when Christ healed the first man, the the guy through the you know with the brotherhood of guys that lowered him down, he immediately said, "Your sins are forgiven." But if you look at uh, Peter and John, they didn't say anything about his sins being forgiven. They went straight to healing him, and I and I think that. In, in my just kind of short moment of looking into that situation, there was an opportunity to look there and say, okay, why did Christ say your sins are forgiven in the beginning? But on the other side, Peter and John kind of skipped over that part and went straight to the, not just that your sins are forgiven, but just straight into healing. And I think the difference is a pre-crucifixion Christ and a post-crucifixion 
uh, crucifixion Whoa. Christ. Yes, because a pre-crucifixion Christ. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, mess these words up. In that instance, he had not died yet. And so there was no real opportunity for a relationship. There was no forgiving of sins. He was able to, for, he, he basically, the miracle at that time was forgiving sins. A post-crucifixion Christ, when even uh, Peter and John said, whom you crucified, he's the guy who, who healed him. Uh, he d- had died for everyone's sins at that point. And so for me, there was like, a, okay, you know, maybe we don't need to talk about the forgiving of sins anymore per se in, an, in a situation of healing because Christ has already died on the cross for our sins. And so now we can go into, in the name of Jesus, you are healed. And I think that's where the power came from in that situation. So that, that was a big one for me, just in the short amount of time comparing the two situations. You have Christ on one side forgiving sins first and then healing, and then Peter and John, in the name of Christ, healing because the forgiving of sins part had already been taken care of. So that was a big wow moment for me. And the other big part of that too was if you if you really look at both situations, they play out very similarly. And that is that the person was immediately healed. And in both instances, both Jesus and Peter and John spoke with boldness in the situation. And I think that mm. that was a big takeaway, especially when you look at what Lance was talking about that you know, some men had the boldness to come in to that uh, to that building, not from the front door, but from the roof. And I think that that spiritual boldness, that faith, I think that's something that we as guys can can work towards in our lives to say that I know that Christ will will heal my friend. I know that I can if I take him to this place. Uh, first of all, that I care about him enough that I'm willing to do just the audacious thing of tearing apart somebody's roof. But on the other side of that, having the confidence and the faith to know that Christ will heal them in that situation. I don't think there was a doubt in Peter and John's mind that Christ was going to heal them, uh, heal that man. That's why he did that. And that was because they had been with Christ. They had seen it happen before and they knew that the forgiving of sins had already been taken care of. And now all I have to do is say in the name of Jesus who, who died for those sins, you are healed, get up and walk. And he reaches out, grabs the man, and immediately the man's healed. That was powerful to me. And that was just that was just the, you know, five minutes of comparing and contrasting those two scriptures. So I got a ton out of it, which just encourages me I need to do that more. Man, that's good. Like that's a real, real good insight. I don't know, man, I, I'm not sure I've heard that pointed out, but one thing that came to mind was in this just like you were talking about, this would have been post entrance of the Holy Spirit as well. So you yep. would have Jesus's presence with them constantly and consistently. So they're responding just how Jesus did when he was limited to a physical body on this earth. He's with them and that power is walking in them. That's, that's really, really good point. It is a post crucified Christ that is, we're able to walk in that power under the name of Jesus. Of course, man, what an awesome insight Evan. Well, I, I, I don't have anything to say that other than I thought it was pretty awesome too. But the the main the main takeaway is like when when Christ had even said, "Hey, uh, I'm going, but it, it, to prepare a place for you. But in my place, I'm leaving you with the Holy Spirit." Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that goes back into some of the things that Pastor George was talking about, and I think that again gave them the boldness to in those situations, uh, in that situation, speak. Uh, healing into those people's lives. And I think we have that, we have that same power that rose Christ from the dead inside of us. Uh, Do we have that boldness? Do we have that permeation of Christ in our walk and the things that we're doing so much so that people can tell a difference? We talk a lot about uh, like redemption stories and, and taking from brokenness to redemption. And I think that's what's been a lot of what you hear about in in brotherhood, especially the guys that go up. I mean, Lance is a prime example uh, to speak to this group. His testimony is his brokenness. And then, you know, as he gets a little bit further into his message, that's his mat. That's his, that's his situation that he was potentially could be ashamed of. Like, there's no reason I should be here, but for Christ. And, and looking back on that, reflecting on that, um, you know, that, that makes a huge difference. Your name is Matt. So this one probably even was like that much more difficult for you. <laughs> yeah, I heard so. that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow, he's talking about me, huh? Okay. All right. I, I like, get it. Why is everyone it. lifting me up? I don't get this. Yeah. What's going on? Everybody's taking me somewhere. <laughs> That's good. All right. So let's jump into this a little bit because I, I, I want to talk a little bit about the part where he talks about that we are a miracle. He has three challenges 
that he that he hit on in this conversation in this presentation uh, and the first one was recognizing that we are a miracle and, and the importance of recognizing how crucial that is because there uh, there is an enemy and that enemy hates us and he doesn't want us to be successful because we are created in the image of God and that in itself is a miracle. But I don't know that I go around every single day saying to myself, I'm a miracle today. Like the fact that I'm breathing, the fact I woke up again, uh, I'm a miracle. That just doesn't cross my mind. So uh, maybe I'm the exception, but I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Do you do you believe that, you know, just your existence and everything that goes through in your life is a miracle or is there something more to it that I'm missing? Yeah. So yes, I agree with the statement. He said, I tend to stray away from lots of miracle talk, lots of devil talk, lots of supernatural or supernatural in the sense of like the mystic cosmic feel of supernatural talk. So when he first said that, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm a walking, breathing miracle. I get it. You know, the miracle of life, you know, there's a lot of correlations there. Uh, but so my natural personality that pushes up against, but you're here, for, you're here at the breakfast to get pushed up against. So mm-hmm. I go ahead and be like, all right, I'll, uh, I'll go and embrace this. And I wrote down what he said that I felt like, so what I felt like Lance did is he took three big statements that are, um, common tools and tactics by guys with big evangelistic perspectives. So Lance Lang's got it kind of an evangelistic feel about him. You know, you could drop him in a big stadium. He's going to reach a whole bunch of people. He's got that Billy Graham feel of like ABC one, two, three. If you want to know Jesus, come see me. Like it doesn't have to be super deep, super, you know, it just has to be the gospel and boom, he brings them in. But what he layered it with in his post comment. So he'd make his point. And then he's got these other comments that really builds out the depth of what the practical reality and what I recognize is I believe that's his relationship with God coming out, his true connection with the Holy Spirit. So he said this, and this is where I can dial in quick on the whole I am a miracle. He said, when you choose forgiveness over bitterness, you're a miracle. Mm -hmm. He says, when you choose repentance over resentment, to love others over selfishness, to choose faith over fear, it's like it reminds you that the miracle is that moment when the power of God empowers you to choose something different than your sin nature wants. Like we have no power. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of when Jesus says, abide me and I in you. And in that whole idea, he says, without me, you can do nothing. Zero. Zilch. And although we can function, we can live, we can breathe, we can probably go to work, have a family, we can do all the bodily functions we cannot live, we cannot exist, do something significant, fulfilling, anything with any impact without Jesus. And that's where that miracle comes into play. It's like, yes, I'm a walking miracle because, and he said this, I've been redeemed. Like I'm not just a walking corpse on my way to a place of damnation. I am a redeemed soul that has been paid for by the blood of Jesus. Like that's miracle. I can get on board with that lens and that perspective of the miracle that I am walking. I'm not just a miracle because I'm amazing that I'm actually a miracle (laughs) because I'm not amazing because I fall short every single day and Jesus makes up the gap. Yeah. When, when he said repentance over resentment, I think that's where it really started clicking is, is, is taking these situations where the easy path, the natural path would be Mm, to be resentful because, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about all the times that I've been wronged and how justified I would feel in that situation to have resentment, but to repent and to, to pull back and, 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 and just say, you know what, because of Christ, I can, I can move past this. I can grow. Like I'm, I don't have to hang on to these things. That's where the freedom comes from. And I think that sometimes we as individuals, uh, become very comfortable in our chains and we, we get into a situation mm, where yes. we, we, we feel like, you know, yes, freedom feels weird so that I'm, I'm going to stick with that familiar captivity as opposed to pursuing something that's going to be going to be completely different. I think that's part of Lance's story. I mean, he talked about addiction for 10 years and, and yes, he was miserable. Yes, he was uh, probably depressed and had all of these different challenges that he was facing. He knew uh, I mean, when he was sober or, or those times between uh, addiction, I'm sure all of that resentment and all of that just, uh, you know, self-pity was coming into place. He didn't like that. But that familiar captivity was was better than 
finding truth to freedom. And it took somebody intervening in his life to, to, to say, Hey, you are a miracle. You are worth this thing to go after. Like I'm coming to you. And, and that's, uh, you know, that's his number two point is, are we taking somebody to the healer? Are, are we willing to have that spiritual boldness that we talked about earlier to step into people's mess, to step into somebody's lives? And I think for me, that's a really difficult thing for me to do because I'm, I'm of the mindset or, and I'm, I'm, I'm evolving through this mindset of, you know, for me, it's like, oh, that's your problem. You figure it out. And then, mm-hmm. you know, when you want help, then I'm here to help. But Christ is different. Christ isn't just saying, hey, when you're ready, come here. Christ is standing at the door and knocking. I'm not, yeah. I'm not the guy that's, that's knocking. I'm, I'm the guy that's down the street like, hey, when you need help, just you know, holler mm-hmm. and I, I'll, I'll help you how I can. Are we pursuing people? Are we having that boldness? And I think that, again, knowing the nature of Christ, knowing who God is, and knowing that his, his willingness to heal, his willingness to help his people, his, the, the love that he's shown is not the kind of love that sits back and waits. The love that he shows is I leave the 99 to go for the one. And I think that that is something that through that time with Christ and, and spending and building that relationship, that, that we become those people who have the boldness to take somebody to the healer instead of just saying, Hey, when you're ready, just let me know. And and then I'll show you where the healer is. It's like I'm I'm gonna take I'm gonna literally physically take you, carry you onto a roof, tear a roof apart, and drop you in front of your creator. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> because is because I know that's what you need. And yes, life saving steps. That again, we talked about this in the past. That's a that's a true brotherhood. Do we have yeah. brothers in our lives that are willing to do that? And are we the kind of brotherhood that will do that? I I, I still got work, work to do on this. Uh, yeah. Um, I'll jump on that same train of work because the Holy Spirit's been nailing me the last several months as engagement as a dad, as a husband, as a disciple of Christ. And that's, you know, he, he says this phrase, you know, he's so, he's so jacked up and excited. He says, get in the game. And he's talking about bringing people to the healer. And then he lists off all these different activities and he compares this radical, act in the word of God with these little small steps of being a volunteer of, you know, he says some people create great events, some people create great graphics and, but he constantly points at, are we engaged in other people's lives? Are we engaged in walking in and walking through other things with people? And that's, I mean, I'm with you. Like if we were neighbors, we would never help each other because both of us <laughs> would be like, Hey, you come on over when you need help. And you'd be like, you come on over and neither one of us would ever reach out. Hold on, hold on. I gotta, I gotta address that because I would passive aggressively make, like, take really good care of my yard so that it would guilt you into doing something. So (laughs) there would be ways that I would, I would do that, but it would just, it wouldn't be your typical like, hey man, you need to, you know, clean it up over there. I would just be like, I'm gonna set the standard for you and then have you strive for it. But you know, that's just me. uh, (laughs) My response would be, I would find out when you mow your yard, and then I would randomly mow your yard along with mine and then be like, Oh yeah, I got it for you, man. It's all good. I got uh, it. For okay. You. All right. Hey, well, in that case, <laughs> as soon as the house opens up next door, I will let you, gotcha. I would love for you to mow my yard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Until I start being all you're gonna, better. The lines are you. probably going to be crooked and then it's just, the I'm going to go in circles. Gonna I mean, oh, it's gonna, I'm going to crisscross no. and be like, man, I got to do it for you. That would, be <laughs> I would install like ruts in my yard at that point. There you go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think we got off track there. Uh, we did because we're, uh, competing with each other's lack of helping. He's, so, yeah, so he's, he's telling us we need to get in the game and there's things that, that we can do and hold on. I think I had a revelation here. Maybe, maybe this podcast and some of the things, so it's not my direct taking people to Christ in terms of like, I'm going to grab your hand and take you there, mm-hmm. but maybe conversations like this and maybe, uh, you know, just inviting friends to come to a brotherhood breakfast that can be part of that. It doesn't have to be the full blown tearing apart the roof. Like Lance said, we all have that weird friend who's like, he takes it up to 11 and we're like, Whoa, that escalated quickly. But in this, in this instance, it pays off. It's okay to have that, that friend for, you know, the 1% of the time. And maybe the other 99% is like, Hey, let's just buy tickets and go to the event like normal people. Yeah. Well, I think Lance is that friend. I'm pretty sure he's the guy that takes it to, so (laughs) his perspective in the brotherhood. Exactly. 
Um, I thought it actually reminded me of something else Pastor Witt said years ago, and he painted this like salvation message. There's a sermon about it. And he talked about how we feel so compelled to take them from zero to 10. We feel compelled to, in this case, take them from the street corner, down the street to the top of the roof, tear open the thatch, drop in front of Jesus, and then take them home. And he said, that's not how the body of Christ works from a grand scale. Your job may be to one to two, two to three. And a lot of times the guys are getting invited to the breakfast by other people with tables. They're the one to two, two to three guys. And then from what I've seen, the guys I have conversations with that are coming to the breakfast, but you only really see them at the breakfast and they're just kind of there for a few moments. Like those are the guys that conversations with them, take them from a four to a five or a five to a six. And then every once in a while you'll roll by somebody and you'll go eight to nine. And it's just like their life is boom, changed. Mm -hmm. Like something turns over and they go from just coming once a month to the breakfast to now they're fully involved. Their their family's coming to church. Their kids are in the kids' church. They're dialed into the messages. They're wondering where you are. And so we don't all have to do that. We don't all have to take them from zero, doesn't go to church at all, to like dialed in 100% is the usher on the corner. Like We can just move them one step at a time. And you're right, just an invite, it moves people one step. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, for us, it's, it's, it's taking those little steps and take, and, and, but putting an emphasis and just knowing the moment when one of those steps needs to be taken. I, I think that again, is being tuned into Christ and knowing that like, that this is an opportunity for me to take somebody that much closer to the healer, to their, to the creator of the universe to say, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm just opening the door for you. I I'm, I'm creating that pathway. Now, what you choose to do with that is, is fully up to you, but you know, eventually there's going to be the crazy friend that's just like, you know, grabs you by the wrist and drags you in. But I think mm -hmm. that, you know, some people need that. I think other people, they just need a nudge. They just need, they just need somebody around them that, you know, like every time I'm around Matt, he encourages me. Every time I'm around Matt, I can tell that he loves his family. Every time I'm around Matt, you know, X, Y, Z. And at some point I got to go to myself, all right, what is Matt doing in his life that is different? Because I feel like I'm trying, I'm trying to just survive here. I'm trying to just mm. figure life out and not screw up. I'm trying to have kids that don't turn up to be, turn out to be criminals and that can support themselves and don't live with me the rest of their lives. But at the same time, I want to be successful in my business. And at the same time, I want to love my wife and not just you know, finish my marriage, but to, to flourish in my marriage, how can I do Good. that? What's different? And, and I think that's something that we as a brotherhood can all do and encourage each other and push each other in that direction uh, to say more is possible for you. God has so much more, uh, uh, you know, abundantly above what we, what we could ask or think. And I think that in the, in the, uh, ecosphere of brotherhood, that that is something that we can just get a glimpse of what God has for us through other people, not from a comparison standpoint, but just to mm -hmm. say more is more is possible. And, and, and here's how we're going to walk through that together. And in some cases it's, it's, it's having the boldness to, to look beyond ourselves and, and say, you know, I need either, I need help or I just need to surround myself with these people for Lance. It was a situation where I think he said his uncle came to him and just shined a light in his darkness and just said, here's the situation. I don't think this is you. I don't think this is what you're created to be. I don't think this was, uh, you know, what you wanted for your family and what you wanted for your life. Uh, you know, by his account, he should be dead. He shouldn't have been even been on that stage. That's the grip that addiction had on his life. But there was somebody who loved him enough uh, that was that cared about his situation to step into that and say, you know what, more is possible. And the the ripple effects of that, just from a hope is alive standpoint, um, continue to inspire me because every time I get a chance to talk to Lance or just see what hope is alive is doing. Uh, I'm I'm conflicted because the people that I see in Hope is Alive, and I don't say this to disparage them at all, uh, because I'm I'm if anything overly impressed by the steps that they've been able to take to get to the point that they're at. But they look like regular people. They look like you and me. They look like people that have just for whatever reason taken steps into darkness and then just got overwhelmed. And for me, it's like it's it's sobering in the sense of holy cow, addiction and, and despair and all these things are so much closer than I think. 
and I want to be the kind of person that helps those people, that reaches out to those people. I can't do that in, in my everyday, but I can help people like Lance. I can help people like Hope is Alive. I can help share those stories so that more people can be reached and more people can be impacted just because of something that Lance's uncle did 10 years ago. I mean, celebrating 10 years of society, uh, sobriety is an amazing thing. And I hope that there's you know decades upon decades beyond that and and millions hundreds and millions and thousands of lives that continue to be impacted as a result as well. Yeah, that's good. I had a similar experience and continue with Hope is Alive. I met one of their guys, you know, this is before Hope is Alive came into our circle. Well, it was around, but I was going to volunteer this about 6 7 months ago and I so I contacted a volunteer line. Guy reaches back out to me and you know, I see his profile pic. It's over Facebook Messenger, and I saw his face on the um, website, and I thought, okay, my first thought is this guy has a heart for people. He's come from a CEO business job, and he is helping out with the Hope is Alive guys. Man, that's awesome. So we lose contact. You know, I didn't end up volunteering, you know, pandemic, all that stuff. So fast forward, I'm at the summit. He stands up and I'm like, all right, it's a, it's, it's the guy, the guy I know. And, and he gives this redemption story. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm crying. My mouth's gaping open. I'm like, I like, this is how good, how much of Jesus is in this. I've judged him the wrong way. Like that was judging. If you're listening, like I was, I'm not uh, pretending that I wasn't judging there. Like, you know, I had to check that, but I looked at him and I was like, I, I, I am, I'm floored. I would have never guessed that you were a guy like he had been to the whole thing. He was the leader of a house now. Like he was, you know, we get this image of what it looks like when people come out of addiction. And I'm here to say hope is alive is taking a whole nother level. Jesus is in, is bringing these people out of addiction in a way that you don't even recognize them. Like you wouldn't even like you'd meet them and not realize they ever had a problem in life. You probably go to them with like, I got issues. Like that's the response hope is alive is getting. And they give 100% of that credit to the presence of Jesus in their ministry. Like that's incredible. I love it, man. Um, it leads right up to, I don't, I, I've completely forgot what question you asked me. Uh, so, so excited <laughs> about that. Um, it does make me think of his third point though. Pick up your mat. Like those guys are picking up their mat, dusting it off, like changing the sheets and then telling people about it. Yeah. I mean the, and I think that's something that for me was like, all right, I want to be the kind of person that has the boldness to bring people. But at the same time, I, I think that I'm also on the mat a lot. And it's, it's one yeah, of those situations 100%. where uh, I can relate to every one of these points. And, and it, I don't think it has to be like a, you're a one, two, or a three. I think it's a situation where we're, all of these different challenges are, are challenges in different aspects of your life. And specifically for the guy on the mat. I, I think that if, and Lance had said it multiple times, is like, put yourself in that guy's position. He's on a mat. His friends are carrying him in there. You know, they're being lowered down. So all eyes are not on his friends. All eyes are on this mat that's being lowered down. That's uncomfortable. That's mm -hmm. embarrassing. That's, uh, you know, hey, we didn't plan ahead. Uh, we probably should have been here four hours early instead of two hours. And, and now we're in a situation where we're having to tear a building apart. Uh, but like, you're the focal point and, and Christ, you know, looks at them. And I think at first of all, it was kind of like the old, like, you know, two taps to the chest respect. Like you, like you, you clearly know what you're doing here. Cause he said he, you, because of your faith, yeah, I think it was because of his friend's face, uh, friend's faith, because you know of what they did. I think he was like, you know what, the, I like these guys. These guys are willing to go above and beyond for their friend, and he's just like, Psh, this one's making it in the Bible. We're gonna, you know, I'm, I'm doing a lot of miracles here. <laughs> That's good. The, the, these guys, these guys, uh, they are, oh, uh, you know, Luke worthy. We'll 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 put them in the Bible, and uh, you know that way people will be inspired by their story, but. You know, that's that's such a cool moment, but the guy on the mat sitting there going, I am mortified. This, you know, I'd rather just be, you know, paralyzed. I don't I don't know that I wanna be healed because now I'm having to go through this whole thing and everyone's gonna be looking at me. Uh so in, in that instance, you know, you're on the mat, but at the same time, 
that map becomes the foundation of his testimony. Everybody knows him as the Matt guy. His name was probably Matt after that. And so <laughs> you, you know, know it. <laughs> going through going through that entire uh, situation, he is who he is because of that situation, because of mm. being on that mat. You know, his whole identity has now changed. His identity is in Christ because Christ healed him. But because of that, Matt, I mean, he probably got into a situation where he had to tell that story over and over and over and over again. But I don't think it drained him. I don't think it was anything where he was just like, oh, here we go again. I, I, I just told the story about, you know, me being lowered through the ceiling. Here we go again. Yeah, I, be, I bet you the story got better and better and better. And he's, you know, you know it did. He's, he's the building was taller. Out. Yeah, he's like it was a forty-story building. Like I don't even know how they built that back in the day out of mud and hay, but you know, they figured it out. And you know, I'm thinking to myself the whole time, like I hope that they equally, you know, lower me down so I don't fall off on. And then you know, God has to heal heal my broken arm in addition to the rest of my body. <laughs> anyway, I think that for us, the situation becomes, and maybe it's if we're on the mat right now, we're speaking directly to that person, like. I don't belong here. I, I shouldn't. I shouldn't be in this situation. I shouldn't even speak because of my mat, because of the whatever situation that you're in, whatever affliction you have, whatever sin that you're dealing with. But that is a situation where it, the question has to be: Is God big enough in your life? that he can heal you, that he can redeem you of your sins, that he can save you, that he can, he can forgive your sins. I mean, that I think is the, the, the first thing that you have to overcome is like, who is God to you? And then secondly, if you allow God to heal you in that instant, can you move from that and point back to that and not be embarrassed by your situation? but recognize that that is what Christ saved you from so that you can point back to him. And I think that sometimes my question to myself is, you know, if, if God heals me of this, or if I get freedom in this situation, what do I do next? Like mm-hmm. what, the, like if I achieve, achieve f- true freedom, I, I, you know, I don't have a drug addiction. I don't have, I'm not an alcoholic. I'm, you know, I don't lie all the time. I haven't cheated on my way, whatever those things may be. And I, I find that freedom. Then what do I do? I point back to my mat of the things that I've been redeemed from and I and I point to the person that that got me off of that mat and I think that's what true relationship with Christ is is walking through that having the uh the transparency and the vulnerability to say this is my mat this is who I was and this is who I am today. Yeah, that's good. So I don't, we don't get this perspective, you know, we can probably make some conclusions, but I would like to know what it was like the next day for that guy. Because in our day and age, when we get healed and we pick up our mat and we take it home, well, I'll speak for myself. I find myself putting the mat away and trying to pretend I never had a mat. Mm -hmm. So then the future of me walking is now not picking up my mat and carrying it around. It's I've now shoved my mat back in the closet and I'm trying to convince everybody I never even had a mat. I was always walking, talking in this case, you know, both legs, you know, his is a little bit more dramatic than, you know, me stopping lying or me, you know, treating my wife better or being a better dad. But it's like, that's what I'm trying to walk in now is through brotherhood through a lot of different things in my life over the last decade. God has done some incredible things in my life. So now I have that temptation to want to hide the fact that I ever dealt with them. And that's, I mean, I don't have that part of the story and I'm sure I could go through Paul and Peter and all the epistles and all that and probably navigate it, but I'm still working on that. Like, how do I be transparent with the mat I once had when I no longer need to sit on it? Mm. Yeah, that's, I'm, I don't know if you have an answer, but um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't have an answer per, per se for that, but it does make me wonder. Uh, who was was it? Peter that denied Christ three times. Mm-hmm. Sure was. I mean, that was his mat. I mean, that was his situation. So everything from then on forward was like, yeah. hey, you know, here's who I was. Like, I was to the point. Like, I, I literally lived with Christ. I was one of the twelve disciples. 
I, I, I followed him, you know, I dropped my nets and, and, you know, stopped fishing when he said, Hey, you know, come follow me. And I did. And, and that's awesome. Like I, even when I read scriptures about like God basically calling to these, to these guys and say, Hey, come follow me. And they dropped their nets immediately and followed him. I'm, I'm baffled because <laughs> like yeah. if I'm at, if I'm at work or something and, and Jesus pulls up, I don't necessarily know who he is and he's mm-hmm. like, hey, come follow me. I'm like, I mean, what does it pay? Like, is this, is this yeah. maybe, you know, like I'd have yeah. questions, and, but not for them. They just dropped it immediately. So automatically he gets a lot of uh, street cred for just dropping everything and following Christ. But then for him, like his situation was like, I followed him. I saw the miracles. I saw him heal people. I saw him do all these things. And I denied him three times. Like that's my mat. That's my situation. And I don't think that he put his mat away and hit it. I think that was part of what he led with. I think part of it was like, I, I, I came, I saw, I, I, I was participated in the ministry of Christ and I still denied him. I denied him three times and he called me on it. He came back to life and called me on it. Uh, and now, you know, now, now that now I have to live with that, but I, I, it, for me, I'm in a situation where I can, I can embrace those moments and embrace the doubt that I had because, you know, he cared enough to forgive me. He cared enough to come back and, 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 and give me my redemption that I needed. And he's willing, that shows his love that should. And again, it just points right back to him. And I think that like we as humans, if we can understand the personality of Christ and the heart of Christ, just knowing even in those little situations where, you know, his mat wasn't necessarily being uh, paralyzed and unable to walk. His mat was something where, you know, he he denied that he even knew Christ. Which, if you read the Bible, it God doesn't like that too much. Like if, if no. you, just, you know, it kind of denies existence. So three times he did it. So he was he was definitely on on the naughty list, and uh, God still redeemed him, and and God still helped him. So, you know, I, I think that as we dig deeper into these. Uh, messages and, and and we hear everybody's story tied together uh, in such a way that we can we can see the the fingerprints of Christ. I think that that's for me just that challenges me to to pursue more instead of just trying to say you know I don't have a mat it's in you know, it's back in there yeah you know back in the day I, this used to happen. I think it was Adam Bush in, in the Mother's Day video where he talked about Macaulay Culkin saying, like, when I hear stuff about Home Alone, it feels like a whole nother person mm-hmm. because it was so long ago. I think that can be the situation with with your with your Matt. Like, you you're just you, I've become this other person now, and and that doesn't that's not a part of my life anymore. But it's a crucial part of your life, and I think that's why you have the platform. That's why you have the influence, and that's why you have the ability to speak to others. So, you know, for you. I, I, I think, you know, hopefully it, whatever that mat is that uh, you, you kind of dust it off and, you know, not necessarily just wear a t-shirt that says, you know, here's all the things that I've been redeemed from. But at the same time, you know, if you're having those heart to heart conversations with people, I think that that's something that you can in relationship, be vulnerable and, and be willing to say, Hey, you know, here's some of the things that I dealt with. I think, I think we're doing that here. I think we're talking about some of that stuff here. Uh, but even on one-on-one conversations, Look for those opportunities to dust off that mat, to have that conversation, and then point back to Christ. That's that's one thing Lance Lang said that, man, it hit me. And the, so he was he prefaced the whole deal as he wasn't going to tell his full redemption story, that he was going to weave it into the message he felt like God laid on his heart. And he's he's kind of so he bounces back and forth between his story and the message he's trying to minister throughout the breakfast and he gets to a point where he's kind of in this deal where he's talking about his addiction and what he went through and the type and the details of it and it's like he hit this space he's like to god be the glory once i was lost now i'm found and it was just like it hit the whole place like boom everybody's story is that Mm -hmm. and it gave me an insight and a picture of like how do I view my mat now? When I was re-listening to the podcast, knowing what the end of the conclusion was going to be, like viewing my mat, when he said that, once I was lost, now I am found. That communicates everything. Walking around with the perspective of once I was lost, 
Now I'm found. Not that I was ever, I was never lost. I was lost. Now I'm found. You want to know how, you want to know the details? You want to know where I was lost, what I was lost in? Well, it's, you know, depending on relationship, situation, time, circumstance, like those are the things I'm learning right now. How do you communicate that where I was lost? Once I was lost, now I'm found. When do you communicate that? But just walking with the perspective that I have not always been found. I once was lost and there are actually still things right now that I'm lost in that I don't, I'm not aware or I am aware. And I just, I continue to go back to being lost instead of just being found. So man, he captured it. I, I don't know if that made any sense, but man, he captured it. If you hear that in the podcast, that's right there. That spot inside the experience. I don't know if it'll hit people listening, but inside the breakfast, it was like, that's it. Everybody was like, that's it. That's my story. That's why I can relate to Lance Lang. Yeah. Well, and hopefully too, through throughout the Brotherhood Breakfast, we'll have opportunities to hear other people's stories and it'll continue to to point us back to those things. I think that, you know, it you know, in a perfect world we could hear a message from Lance and be like, Okay, that's it. Brotherhood is officially closed. We have done it. We have uh encapsulated the story of mm-hmm. redemption and you know what we all should strive towards. Uh we'll see you in heaven. But I don't think that's the case. I think that we con- we need that constant reminder. I think that's why people uh, engage in things like the Brotherhood Summit. I think that's why guys continue to engage in the Brotherhood Breakfast. Hopefully uh, engage in the podcast is because we we need that constant reminder. you know, for me, it's it's in the practice that I become proficient. And so, you know, I need to be reminded of the steps. I need to be reminded of the instructions. And in some cases, I just need to do it. I just need to get my hands dirty and do something. And that's how I learn. That's how I make that progression towards what I, I want to accomplish. And so if I'm able to do those things, I think that when we turn around and look back in our overall journey, that's where we see some of the greatest strides and, and some of the growth through all of this stuff. So uh, I think it's awesome that you got that part in this breakfast. And I think that we'll continue to get parts in future breakfast. And, and that's why we need it because left to our own devices, we're going to continue to screw up. Um, but what we can do is we can potentially screw up less. And I think hopefully we can continue to bring other people with us that will challenge us, that will hold us accountable. Uh, I really encourage you guys, if you have not listened to uh, the February podcast that I did with, with Lance, where we talk about mm-hmm. accountability and we talk Absolutely. about all of the different steps towards avoiding I- isolation and embracing accountability. Uh, there's even more that I think you can potentially pull from that. So, man, I, th- I think we covered it all, uh, yeah. hopefully. But uh, I, I, I want to give you an opportunity to kind of close it up in, in case uh, we miss something. Man, no, that was a tremendous just layout, Evan. Um, now I'm looking at my notes and we hit everything. Awesome. Matt, thank you so much for hopping on and helping me break down uh, this message from Lance. Uh, brothers, remember honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the King. We'll catch you on the next podcast.